you, Adrian and Esta. Here at East Chestnut, we have a vision of including uh, our young children in worship because we believe that as they begin to feel that they belong, they begin to believe. And at the same time, we know that for young parents, this hour of worship can sometimes feel like one hour of distraction. And so uh, on this morning of Children's Church, we welcome in a special way our uh, parents and pray that this is a special hour of nourishment and worship for you this morning. Let's pray together. O God, you have made us for yourself, and our hearts are restless, so very restless, until they find their rest in thee. And so this morning we pray for a fresh anointing of your Holy Spirit a new empowerment to follow Jesus as he leads us in our journey home, home to you. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen. Have you ever noticed how rock and roll is filled with songs about the unquenchable yearning and longing that we all feel as human beings. That's what I was thinking about this past week. I can't get no satisfaction, Mick Jagger laments, though I try and I try and I try and I try. That's a lot of trying. Everybody has a hungry heart. Sings the boss, Bruce Springsteen. And I still haven't found what I'm looking for. Sings Bono from U2. Last month, Lauren Schwarzendruber, not a rock star, but the president of (laughs) Eastern Mennonite University, preached here and put us all onto a recent book by Gregory Boyd called Benefit of the Doubt. And I think the subheading is something like Breaking the Idol of Certainty. And in this book, Boyd shares that the German language actually has a very specific word for our deep feeling of homesickness and exile, and yearning that all of these rock and roll songs tell us about. And I meant to check in with Jared before the uh, service. I didn't get the chance, so you can correct me. But he says the German word is Sehnsucht. How how did I do? Pretty good. good. (laughs) I'll take it. So let's practice that together. Zane Zucht. You have to clear your throat a little bit. Zane Zucht. And we all work at relieving our Zane Zucht in many and various ways. 
We think that if only, if only we had that perfect job, a more compatible spouse, a bigger house, or that title in front of our name, or that degree behind it, that then we would be satisfied and we would feel complete. But invariably, after we achieve our if-only, the Zehnsucht returns. And many of us, not knowing what to do with it, numb the pain of our yearning with booze or heroin or surfing our 300 cable channels. Ever numb the pain that way? or chasing after one peak experience after another. That pretty, pretty much sums up American culture. Chasing one peak experience after another. But dear friends, what if this deep yearning that we all experience, anybody not experience it here? Raise your hand. What if this is telling us something absolutely crucial? What if we paid more attention to it instead of numbing it away, repressing it and pushing it down? What if, in fact, this Sehnsucht is our homing device placed in us by our Creator? to draw us into the loving relationship for which we were all created. What if? As the psalmist wrote, as a deer longs for flowing streams, so my soul longs, pants for thee, O God. As St. Augustine said in the 5th century, You, O God, have made us for Yourself. And our hearts are restless. They're always going to be restless until we find our rest in You. Maybe this is why G.K. Chesterton, an English writer, once said that every person knocking on the door of a brothel, who are they really looking for? God, but just in the wrong place. Our deepest yearning is for direct and intimate relationship with God. We've all been created with an emptiness that only God can fill. Or if you remember the sacred architecture of the temple that we explored last week, our homing device is ever guiding us through the outer courtyards of the temple, inward toward the center, toward the holy of holies of God's loving and transforming presence. And friends, is this maybe what is happening in our story today about Nicodemus? This prominent spiritual leader of his people. Notice in verse 2 that he is drawn to Jesus precisely because 
he says that no one else can be doing what Jesus is doing apart from what? The presence, the presence of God. You know, Jesus just has that impact on people, doesn't he? In his presence, we sense the very presence of God. And what Zane Zucht, what yearning is drawing Nicodemus to Jesus tonight? We don't know, do we? But what if we see Nicodemus not only as a searching Jewish believer, but as the patron saint for all spiritual seekers who are being drawn to move from the outer courtyards of religion into ever deeper intimacy and union and union with God. Has Nicodemus kind of like us, spent his whole life trying to be good? Trying to follow every jot and tittle of Scripture? Scrupulously tithing on his mint and dill and cumin, and yet he still hasn't found what he's looking for? You see, the ultimate purpose of the Hebrew Scriptures with its 613 commandments is not to regulate and manage our behavior. That's not the purpose. The purpose is to bring us all into a loving and transforming relationship with God. And until we enter the Holy of Holies, our hearts will be hungry. As Bruce Coburn sings, all of our yearning only comes home to you. And that you is God. And so Nicodemus comes to Jesus tonight under the cover of darkness. I love that. One of you suggested maybe he just has a busy job during the day. Lots of family matters to take care of. Well, whatever the reason, he brings to Jesus today his deepest questions, his deepest uncertainties, and his deepest doubts. And so can we. Biblical faith is not about being certain and sure about everything. Nicodemus here, Job, the psalmist that we heard earlier, and Jesus in the garden and on the cross all show us that we can fearlessly bring our questions to God. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Is there a bigger question? What kind of questions are you struggling with these days? After Jesus invites Nicodemus in, Nicodemus clears his throat, nervously tugs on his beard, and finally he says, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher from God. 
You couldn't be doing all of these amazing things apart from the presence of God. And then Jesus says to Nicodemus, no one can see the kingdom without being born anew. And the Greek here for this means to be born again or to be born from above. You see, God isn't in the behavior regulation business. God is in the human transformation business. And this begins with a new birth, a radical and profound awakening that invariably leaves us feeling turned upside down and inside out. And it continues throughout our lives when we continue to be born again and again and again. Now this sets Nicodemus to pulling on his beard again, his own beard. And finally he says, how can old geezer like me ever squeeze back into my mother's womb and be born a second time? Pretty good question. And just then, an evening breeze blows through the open windows and sets the light of their lamps dancing on the walls and on the ceilings. And then Jesus says, the wind, the Spirit, blows where it chooses and you can hear the sound of it. But even then, you're not sure where it's coming from or where it's going. That's the way it is, Jesus says, with everyone who's born and reborn of the Spirit. And it's now that Jesus shares what may be the best known words in our Bible, John 3.16, followed by some of the most neglected words in the Bible, John 3.17. I'm glad you read them together. And now it seems that Jesus is setting to heal in these words some of Nicodemus's most distorted images of God. Of a condemning and terrifying God who is out to get him. And so Jesus says to Nicodemus, For God so loves the world. Not just loves, So loves the world. And this is the whole reason for the sending of the Son. And do you see what this means? This means that our yearning for God is mirrored in infinitely fuller ways by God's own yearning and longing and Sehnsucht for us. Do you believe it? And then 3.17, God sends Jesus not to condemn and not to accuse, but in order that the whole cosmos 
might be saved and healed through Him. Friends, in Greek, the word for saved and the word for healed, it's the same word. Sozo. So you might flip those over sometimes when you're reading Scripture. God heals. God saves. And this lifelong transformation begins, it says in John 3.16, when we begin to believe in Jesus. And friends, believe here doesn't just mean intellectual agreement or cognitive assent. So that we can go out and say we believe in Jesus and just live the same way. And study after study says that's what most of us American Christians do. To believe means changing our orientation. And reorienting our lives toward Jesus. It means letting His ways become our ways. His mind, the mind of Christ, becoming our mind. His love, our love. And His prayer, our prayer. Christian faith, Gregory Boyd says in his book, is not about being certain about everything or having all the answers. Rather, faith is the willing to, willingness to respond to our deepest yearnings and to commit to follow Jesus even in the midst of our profound uncertainties and doubts and questions as He leads us homeward to God. We don't have to figure out the whole journey. All we have to do is take that next little step toward Him. And dear friends, what if one of the primary, the primary purposes of East Chestnut Street Mennonite Church is to be our school of Zainzucht, our nursery of desire. The community where all of our yearnings are slowly being reshaped and redirected toward God. And where we're all learning finally to stop knocking on all of our brothel doors. What's yours right now? And finally, to give ourselves fully to God, who is really our deepest and truest desire.
In our story today, any kind of spiritual rebirth and transformation in Nicodemus seems pretty unlikely, doesn't it? Would you bet on this happening with Nicodemus? I wouldn't. His conversation with Jesus seems mighty filled with with tension and seems to be getting nowhere. They seem to be talking by each other. But then later, in John 19, we discover that this conversation actually went somewhere. Because after Jesus is crucified, who but Nicodemus? Who but Nicodemus goes out now in broad daylight to lovingly minister to the broken body of Jesus? And later when he hears that Jesus has been raised from the dead, the man that he buried has been raised from the dead, does this old man now weep like a newborn child? Amen.